This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Greetings, everyone. Welcome into the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. And hello from Los Angeles. Sean Kelly with you on the Black and Blue Report. Traveling with the Pelicans, who will wrap up the regular season this week. It's hard to believe we've reached the last days of the regular season. But it will be Pelicans-Lakers tomorrow night across the street at the Staples Center. And then on Wednesday, up at Portland, the Pelicans will wrap up the season. Looks like we've wrapped up the Western Conference playoff picture, doesn't it? Wow, yesterday Russell Westbrook not only made history with another triple-double, but then scored 50 points, including the game winner and eliminated Denver. So Portland is now the eighth seed, and so the West is set. It was a pretty cool day in the NBA yesterday. Of course, you know, you had Westbrook uh, thrilling everyone on the road to Denver. But then here in Los Angeles last night, D'Angelo Russell hits a a buzzer beater on an emotional day for him, and uh, certainly condolences to his family for their loss. But the Lakers had something to cheer about yesterday, and then Atlanta's come back over Cleveland, and still some wiggling that has to be done in the East. It was a good Sunday. Oh, and by the way, the Masters was awesome. And uh, congratulations to Sergio on finally breaking through. So that's kind of how I spent my Sunday yesterday. I hope yours was really good. I understand the weather back home in the Gulf South was fantastic and so much going on over the weekend. I hope you're able to take part or do your thing, as they say. And uh, we're back at it here on this Monday. We begin a new week of podcasts, and we've got some great guests lined up for you, including today. We'll kind of get started with a bang because we've got Kevin Arnovitz from ESPN.com. He covers the NBA. Our first ever visit with him, and I can't believe we've waited this long to have him on. He's a little offbeat and uh, very good and offers uh, some different ways to look at a few of the storylines here into the final week of the regular season as we head off to the playoffs. And then our old friend Heath Evans stops by. Daniel Salerson was with him on Friday when Heath was on campus at Airline Drive. And uh, Heath Evans is always a great visit. And so we get some football today on a Monday as well. So stay with us. Two great conversations for you as we talk at Pelicans in the NBA with Kevin Arnovitz of ESPN.com. But here next, Daniel Salerson here in Studio B with us with Heath Evans. If you don't want to miss out on any of the action, get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7-365. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus text with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelicans mobile alerts. Visit pelicans.com for information on these great features. Plus sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today. A new concert from Pink Floyd's visionary, Roger Waters, Us and Them. Saturday, July 8th, Smoothie King Center. Featuring songs from Pink Floyd's greatest albums, live in extraordinary quad sound. Tickets on sale now at Ticketmaster. Auctioner believes the best way to predict the future is to invent it. Here, our doctors and staff are changing lives day after day. Every week, I'm operating on babies who are days old with hearts smaller than walnuts. We're giving these kids a life they wouldn't otherwise have, a chance to grow up. Sometimes, cancer patients come who were told they were out of options. 
But Auctioner has the most clinical trials in the state. It's amazing to be able to give second chances. We're always a step ahead, even with simple things, like getting you in to see a doctor today versus a week from now, so what you have doesn't become something bigger. It makes a difference. Every day, Auctioner is creating a better future by looking forward and thinking differently to find life-changing solutions. That's healthcare with peace of mind. Appointments are available today. Call 866-AUCTIONER or visit auctioner.org. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Daniel Sellerson. Well, we've had Heath Evans on the show before, NFL Network analyst, also former Super Bowl champion, and he actually joins us now in Studio B. Heath, thanks for coming on. Nice to be uh, see you in person here. Man, it's always good to be back in NOLA. I, I tell everyone every time I come back here, heck, my, my Instagram post yesterday was about this great city and the people, and uh, quick business meeting with Sean and the boys yeah. here, but... Uh, Love the city and love the people. And the weather. You couldn't have picked a better weather here, man. <laughs> well, listen, I'm coming from L.A. Oh, so that, that's very that true. That weather's hard to beat, but that, that Palm Beach humidity is already set in. So compared to Florida, this is, this is still good. So how's off-season treating you? I know with the NFL Network, I don't know if there's – is there any such thing as an off-season anymore? Man, I, I force an off-season June and July, but, mm. I mean, people don't understand. Like, obviously the lovers of our games and our network, you know, we go from regular season to playoffs. We go from playoffs to Super Bowl, Super Bowl to Combine, Combine to free agency, free agency to the draft, draft OTAs, mini camps, and then literally about the end of May, I shut it down and mm-hmm. me and the girls vacation, and we, we hang out a little bit and kind of rest my mind for the next season. But it is, it's truly 365. Well, I'm glad you are able to get some R&R with your family, that's for sure. But let's talk about this offseason from a Saints perspective first. Just some of the free agent moves that they made. Larry Warford, you have Ted Ginn Jr. They've been able to re-sign Raphael Bush back. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Saints offseason so far? Start with the O-line. Yep. And obviously when, when this team was at its best in 09, I was obviously a recipient of that. Everything started there. Mm-hmm. I think I think our, our tempo was set with the O-line. The, the power run game was set there. Um, how we could dictate to defenses what they could and couldn't do to us offensively. Obviously, you know, we've got a top three quarterback in the business here still. It was the same way in 09. And so when you create a dominance up front, there is no answers to a Sean Payton-Drew Brees tandem. And so I think uh, Warford will, will add some, I think, veteran mentality. But also that that whole uh, Carl Nix, Jari Evans, nasty bad boy mentality. And, and you just need it. You know what yep. I mean? Um, Raphael Bush, listen, you get a guy that's that's been here and knows the Sean Payton way. You know, um, and listen, it's a splashy, sexy name. No, but it's consistency is what you try to breed in, in this business. Um, and uh, third player you mentioned. Um, Ted Ginn. Uh, Ted Ginn, speed. Uh, think about Devery Henderson in 09. Listen, uh, Devery was a had beautiful hands and straight line speed. I think he was probably a bit more well-rounded of a, of a wide receiver than, than Teddy G. Um, but um, when you can fly the way Ted can, and then you get the aspect of the return game um, and, and veteran, you know, um, experience. Uh, you can't quantify a guy that's seen a lot, mm-hmm. and, and that's going to be important. So now he's got to get in here and just study because we yep. know Sean's offense is no joke. Right. Uh, number nine is going to demand a lot of him mentally down in and down out, and so now it's just up to to him to get in here and work and, and get to get to the hang of, of what they do here. Obviously, they still can fill some needs with free agency and the draft. So what what, what is left for them as far as maybe getting to that next step of making the playoffs? What do they need more to kind of – get back to where they were. It's funny, you know, Sean and I were just talking a few minutes ago mm-hmm. about potential pass rushers and, and guys that, listen, I, I've always said um, that, listen, a pressure on a quarterback changes a given down. 
a sack changes a drive. And so you, you got to – it's not just about pressure on a quarterback and, and hits add up. And I don't care how great the quarterback is. Nine, Drew would tell you, listen, nobody wants to get hit repetitively. But you got to have sacks. you got to have a, a player that is literally going to change drives mm-hmm. and change the scenario of a game with one play. Um, and so uh, I'm always going to harp on the offensive line because I, I believe that between you know Drew and, and Brady, if, if you give them a healthy offensive line – I don't want to say it doesn't matter what offensive weapons you give them around. Their mental brilliance um, will always put you in a position to win. And, and I think those two, now that Peyton is retired, stand alone in the sense that it doesn't really matter the weapons around them. We've seen Aaron Rodgers struggle when an O-line gets beat up and when the wide receivers go down and running backs, we've seen that offense struggle. Drew, you give them a healthy O-line. Brady, you give them a healthy O-line. They're going to pick you apart. So O-line, D-line, always going to be emphasis. Mm-hmm. But, but I think this team um, – I'm a big Cam fan, and that mentality, yep. you can't go without. The leadership, you can't go without. You need someone to add to that recipe of success. I feel like they, they have gone 7-9 and nine the last three years, but I feel like they're a lot closer than what their 7-9 and nine dictates. I feel like they ended on a, a decent note last year. Do you feel like they are a lot closer than maybe what their record dictated last year? Uh, listen, people, you know, everyone in, other than the Hoonet Nation always gets mad because I, I go back to the 2009 season. But everybody, yep. like, it's not just the Saints. Everyone's trying to create what we had in 2009. Right. An offense that can run the ball, an offense that can throw whenever they want, and then an offense that can be third and one, pick it up, and then an offense that can be in third and 13, and you can't do anything with it. A defense that turns the ball over, special teams is opportunistic. That's what everyone's trying to recreate. So, when you look at a seven and nine record because of Drew, you're in every game. Mm-hmm. You know, in that 2009 season, we ended up 13 and three. That could have very easily been 10 and six or nine and seven. We grinded out games when it mattered, and and I think that's the those small momentary mental mistakes have crippled this team the last three years. And I know it frustrates Sean. It obviously frustrates me breaking down that tape every week. But um, to say the team is close is is true. But they're also a long way away because right. three years of seven and nine. This is this is what this team is now. They need to adopt. Hey, we're a seven and nine team until we make that difference. All right. Well, let's talk uh, NFL in general. The Tony Romo thing kind of seemed very fascinating to me. I know no one really knew what was going to happen next, and all of a sudden now jumping to the broadcast booth. Uh, what were your initial thoughts when you heard that Tony Romo was heading to CBS? Ooh, I, <laughs> we have one comparison, and that's Tiki Barber. Yeah. Um, I think there's something to be said. I mean, you look at Tony, the way he grew up, undrafted, had to prove himself to to multiple head coaches, um, and has been somewhat of a grinder. And I think there is something to be said about kind of having to come up through the ranks. And this is very different than playing. You know, I mean, Tony was a 10 in this league. I was a 1. You Mm -hmm. know, certain people have different gifts that make them – um, stand out in this business, and then mm-hmm. certain people have certain gifts that make them stand out in the playing business. And so um, I I have no doubt it'll work hard, but there's just certain natural God-given talents that a Troy Aikman has, was born with and developed over times. And then the Maddens, and um, there's so many guys that have kind of had to sharpen their tools, so to speak. He's not going to be given that, that time or opportunity. And so um, I wish him the best, but this is a big jump yeah. going from, um, you know, backup quarterback – you know, to number one CBS booth. So what would your advice be for him to someone that has transitioned from on uh, on the field to uh, in the broadcast booth and in, as an analyst, what would your advice be to him as he d- makes this transition? If, if, if I was Tony, um, I would stop playing golf and I'd call Jim Nance and say, hey, listen, two, three days a week, we're going to be in my man cave and we're just going to be watching tape and we are going to rep this thing to death because cadence of Jim and, and the relationship – um, that it takes to be in that booth. I mean, um, I had to kind of step away from my Fox broadcasting career just for family reasons, mm-hmm. but 
the relationship that I developed with Sam Rosen over the course of three years was a development process. Mm -hmm. We had some natural chemistry day one. Uh, Fox obviously saw it. They liked it, so they gave us more and more time together. But that's something that's created. Um, right. and, and just the feel and the pacing of a game in that every game is different. You know, Tony was in full command of every play that he took from under center. That's not really the way that it is because he's not. He has no clue what that play call is. He has no clue um, what the defense is thinking because there's no way to scout a defensive opponent the way that he was afforded the ability to when he was playing. So um, he's got his work cut out for him. But but reps is is what he'll need if he has the gifts. So how long did it take for you to feel comfortable when you were on air? How and you said you know it took time creating that chemistry and all that. Yeah. When did you start feeling comfortable doing it? I think probably year two, you know, I went from two games to, to eight games with Fox the second year. And, you know, I think the second year, um, just the rhythm and the cadence and understanding what my bosses wanted. And I have always seen the game from really a quarterback's perspective. I think being around Drew and Tom and Matt Hasselback and Trent Dilfer, they all spent a lot of time with me teaching me things. And so um, I think a lot of that wisdom they passed along kind of came out in a Sunday conversation with Sam Rosen mm -hmm. on Fox. Um but some of the great quarterbacks, like even you – know, listen, I know it sounds blasphemous, but Phil Simms, like, you know, who Tony's replacing, Tony can't be worse than what we've gotten out of Phil the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's it, – it, Phil was an amazing quarterback, way better than I ever could have been in this league. But that, that giftedness to, to call a game in rhythm and cadence and to entertain an audience of millions of people watching, um, it's a tough – it's a tall task. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No doubt about it. Before I let you go here, the NFL draft is coming up. Um, you were a third-round pick. Has the draft process changed in your eyes just from everything between the combine and the pro days and all the workouts and the interview <laughs> process? How much of that has changed since you were drafted into this league? Wow. I think social media has changed so much. But really the only thing that's changed is the draft process. You okay. know, when I was coming out in 01, all three rounds were in the first day, mm -hmm. so I got taken in the first round. Now you've got you know day one, which is your first round, and then day two, your second and third. So there's a different of a waiting process for guys in my position. Mm -hmm. Um but the questions, the stressors, and the strains, the media can obviously add more to right. that. But listen, as a player, I've told them all as they breeze through NFL Network and the guys we've seen here in, in, uh, in house today with the Saints that it never gets any easier mm -hmm. than this. Your NFL career at the Combine is as easy as it's ever going to get. Your right. NFL career on draft day, it's never going to get any easier than that. Your NFL career at OTAs, mini camps, your rookie year, it's always going to get harder and harder and harder. So enjoy the process, suck it in. But uh, man, keep your notepad handy, keep your ears and eyes open, and, and uh, take every bit of information in from wise veteran leadership that you can. Without digging too deep into the draft, is there one person that you've seen through tape or through last year that you're saying, man, this guy's going to really have a, a big career in the NFL? If if he stays out of his own way, Dalvin Cook from Florida State yep. is talent-wise should be the number one pick off the board. Wow. And people are like, oh, it's a running back. They don't do that. I say go watch his tape. I think there's some things that um, – have GMs, owners, head coaches concerned, and rightfully so. I think Dalvin's willing to uh, to answer those questions throughout the course of his career, but um, his tape tells a story of someone who could potentially be uh, a Marshall Falk-type player that's a three-down guy that you can change the pace on every single down. Yeah, we all know how great Marshall Falk was, so if Dalvin Cook can get it going here. I hate comparisons, but if yeah. there's – in listen, Dalvin's got a long way to go, but that talent and the hands and the vision and the balance – it's, it's undeniable. Should be interesting to watch, that's for sure. That's Heath Evans, NFL Network analyst, Super Bowl champion, former New Orleans Saint. Heath, always appreciate the time. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for having me, buddy. All right, we'll be back. Sweet Caroline. Neil Diamond.
bringing you all the hits. Neil Diamond's 50-year anniversary world tour. May 2nd, Smoothie King Center. Tickets on sale now. Buy tickets at LiveNation.com and Ticketmaster. Neil Diamond. Are you ready for a slimmer and trimmer you? Smoothie King's new and improved Slim and Trim meal replacement smoothies are here. Now with just 250 or fewer calories per 20-ounce cup, they're slimmer and trimmer than ever. Keep your diet on track and feel fuller longer with at least 11 grams of protein and 6 grams of fiber. Add Smoothie King to your diet today with new and improved Slim and Trim smoothies in three delicious flavors. Only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Diet and weight loss depend on individual needs, eating right, and exercising daily. Everything you need to know about the Saints and Pelicans is right here on the Black and Blue Report. Well, when I woke up this morning in Los Angeles and uh, went to get ready for our first guest here on the Black and Blue Report and found Kevin uh, on Twitter, I started kicking myself that I haven't been following this guy for some stupid reason. Uh, Kevin Arnovitz covers the NBA for ESPN.com. And Kevin, I apologize because your Twitter feed is awfully entertaining and I have no idea why. I haven't been following you. That's my mistake. Oh, I, see, I think of my Twitter feed as uniquely unentertaining. Um, oh, come! I, I think I'm last in the league among my cohorts in uh, tweets per day or tweets per possession. I, uh, I, I try to stay away. It's, it, it can be an ugly place. I, uh, but your Twitter but efficiency's got to be way I'll, I'll up. Go on a rant. Yeah, no, it's got your efficiency has to be way up because it's quality stuff. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> Kevin's with us here to talk about all things NBA as we uh, now enter the final days of the regular season. Kevin, let's start with yesterday because while I was I was watching the Masters for sure, I couldn't take my eyes off of Denver where Russell Westbrook uh, gave us another piece of history yesterday. I, You know, it's interesting. I got into the league years ago and, and I thought to myself, man, if I'd only been able to do this sooner, I could have I could have seen the likes of Michael Jordan and others, you know, in the flesh with a microphone in front of me. And lo and behold here, over these last years, I'm getting to see greatness in my own way, and Russell Westbrook has got to be near the top of the list. What did you think of yesterday? You know, in, in some ways it was it was sort of the perfect illustration, um, you know, of, of his talents. Uh, you know, he took 32 field goal attempts, and that doesn't include the, I think the additional five uh, where, where you had to get to the line. So, um I mean, it was a high volume, uh, high output performance that was electric. Um, it, it kind of encapsulated his candidacy for MVP, of which I'm still uncertain how I'm going to vote. Um, and uh, you know, it's a really interesting debate. I, you know, for me, I, I you know, I've been getting asked a lot about the race just because you know you have a ballot, and I, I think we're important guard. I, you might have about as well, but you know, in some ways, we're important guardians of history, right? Like these awards sort of are indelible, and they mark uh, they, they mark a moment in time in basketball. Not just the league, or not just who's winning or who's losing, but you know, you can go back onto Wikipedia or somewhere else, look at those lists forty, fifty years in the past, in the future, and, and what happens is it evokes that moment in time. Like you see those string of MVPs for Jordan, or you see those. Uh, championships for the Celtics over a certain era, and, and it immediately, oh, that was basketball at that moment. And so, you know, Westbrook's candidacy is so interesting. Um, it, it's almost Kobe-esque in the sense that he's not had the most efficient season, and I'm not like, 
and I'm, I'm not here to, to 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 put you know pox on his house or anything because it's it's unbelievable. He's one of the two or three best basketball players in the world, um, and it's just been really hard for me to distinguish him in Harden and uh, Kawhi Leonard, and, and for that matter, LeBron, who might still be the answer to the question. Okay, if you have one guy for eight weeks on a run to a title, who do you want? And I, I think you know when you start framing the question that way, it's really interesting, right? Because um, you know Westbrook has sort of filled this vacuum in Oklahoma City, and boy has he filled it. And you know he puts the team on his back. Uh, I, I think my colleague Tom Haversow just tweeted something out that the fact that I think he's at 18 field goal attempts like that yesterday, like inside I think of 10 seconds, uh, down by three or through tied. And it was funny, the other guys in the conversation, I think uh, Kawhi had six, um, you know, Harden had what, three or four. Like, it was amazing just how many, uh, how much he's taken the responsibility of that team and its fortunes into his own hands. Um, and so I'm going to really have people in the next few days figuring out, like, on one hand, how do you not vote for this guy? I mean, it's all we're talking about. On the other hand, I think the very nature of these MVP debates is we could find moments for all these guys, right? Like whether it was yesterday or uh, he tends to have more stage presence than anybody. But, you know, we can find these hardened moments. Which, I mean, he's had some insane lines, and, and they've won a ton of games. Uh, obviously, San Antonio, you know, everybody poo-poos the idea of, of Kawhi being an MVP. I look at that roster, they're going to win 62 games, and what are we talking about? Kawhi? LaMarcus Aldridge in his worst season since his rookie year. You know, five guys were 100 years old, like Pal Gasol and Tony Parker and, and Manu Ginobili, and I don't think it's Dwayne Dedman or Jonathan Simmons or an injured Danny Green. You know, like, like there are so many metrics, in, but when I say metrics, but also kind of intangible ways to measure this debate. And so, you know, it ultimately you get decided in the margins and you really have to sort of dig through the numbers. I've never been less happy about having a ballot than I am this year, especially with the votes being public. And so now, of course, you have to hear it for, for weeks. I can completely sympathize with that. And they made a change this year, Kevin, where uh, the, the local announcers, I guess, that the team announcers are no longer voting, which I think is the right thing um, in the long run. And it excuses me from voting this year. Thank you. Um, but at the same time, is another change necessary? And the change I'm thinking of is, should we be able to vote at the end of the postseason as opposed to the end of the regular season? You know, it's a, I go back and forth on this one. Because on one end, is it a regular season award? Um, and if the answer is yes, then we probably should have our ballots in by Friday. Uh, if you know, this has always been difficult, even with the record books. Like, in some ways, you'll say so-and-so has played X number of games or has had this many game winners. And, it, and invariably, by the very nature of what the playoffs are, which is the biggest games, like the most decisive moments, the moments that truly define history, not a Thursday night in, in, in February, but, but, you know, a game seven, a conference semifinal decisive game. And, you know, so I, I kind of, I can go either way on this. I mean, we do have a finals MVP. We don't really have a playoff MVP. You know, to me, like, it's not a hill I would die on either way, but I'd be fine with the switch. Again, just because I'm somebody who just believes that the NBA's regular season is so cheap. Um, I mean, even the fact that the postseason, no other sport is like this, where literally the postseason, I think, is nine to ten weeks. The regular season is, when you take out the All-Star break, really closer to 24 or 25. I mean, you're, you're talking about a sport that is in its postseason, I think, 
at least a quarter, I mean, almost a third of the time. So it's like, why are we excluding these additional, and there are dozens and dozens of games. I mean, that, that, I, I, think that's a good, I think there's a good case for it. Fair enough. More on the postseason in a second. Kevin, while I've got you here, let me ask you about the Pelicans because they're going to wrap up on Wednesday. Uh, after a Tuesday game in L.A., Wednesday in Portland, they're done and, and no longer in the picture. It's hard sometimes for those of us who are with the team every day, you know, localized and whatnot, to truly, I guess, have a look. What would you say is the national look at the Pelicans and what lies ahead for them after what's transpired since the trade? I mean, I think it's a wait and see. I think most of us who, who cover this game appreciate that when coaches say, hey, it takes time to gel, whether you're talking about Eric Spolster, that was sort of his mantra in, in early 2010, 2011, and they were 9-8, and eight, that, that first Heat team, and everybody rolls their eyes. And the truth is, though, it takes time to gel. This is basketball. It is a very associative sport, and it's not a one-through-nine lineup of individual performances. Uh, or even just one quarterback and you know a couple of skill players. I mean, it is it is a you win and lose games based on how you know how you can read your opponents, um, how much synchronicity there is. And I just think that to put a guy who's that influential, like Demarcus Cousins, plop him on the floor late in the season and then say, okay, go everybody win, you know, when it completely changes your scheme and everything else. So I mean, I think I think patience is really in order. And I and I'm not you know I'm not just saying that. I, I think. We'll know a lot more, you know, on New Year's Day of 2018. And, um, you know, they're in an interesting spot, and since they don't have a lot of flexibility to sort of add pieces, obviously the big one is Drew Holiday. And I, I think they desperately need um, – I, I think they desperately need him. Uh, he's a really good defensive player. And I think, you know, one of the things that hasn't been talked about is, you know, to the extent that Pelicans have grown this year, I mean, they're one of the better defensive units. And, you know, you don't you look at the personnel, and it's not obvious. Obviously, Davis, if he wants to be, can be one of the five best defenders year in and year out in the league. I mean, uh, the combination of attributes physically, um, I, I think his, his instincts, et cetera. But, like, you know, Holiday had a lot to do with that. I mean, this is a team that won a fair number of games on the strength of their defense. Um and I just think they need that head of the snake. You know, if he doesn't, they don't really have a ton of money to go out and get a guy of his of his equivalence. It's not a question of, oh, well, if Drew doesn't sign, let's just go get an equivalent point guard. They just don't have right now the cap space to do that. So I think, you know, in some ways that is the biggest question is, you know, can they get Drew Holiday back in the locker room? And and then from there, you know, you can grow. I I mean, I, I'm not, you know, I don't. I think there are more dy- a more dynamic wing rotation in the league than the, what the Pelicans have. But I think those are also guys who are serviceable. And look, I think it's going to look a lot different next year than other teams. I mean, like, by you know, it's not. There's just such a perimeter league, and what you basically said to say we're going to counter program, which I think is actually really good. Um, I, I think anytime you can sort of zig when the rest of the league is zagging, you you have you're a really interesting team, and. You know, but I, I think that's sort of the thing is, is I'm willing to wait and see. I don't deem this anything a failure because it's impossible to kind of just completely change who you are that late in the season. Um, but, I, you know, I, I think what it looks like at the point guard position next year is going to determine a lot. Fair enough. Kevin Arnovitz with us here from ESPN.com. All right, Kevin, postseason here. Is there anything that would lead you to believe that we will not see a Cleveland-Golden State NBA Finals 
based on the two fields now we're seeing in the East and the West? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm someone who doesn't speak kind of in blanket terms, and I, let's say this way, I'll be very surprised if it's not those two teams. Uh, I, I know everybody's sort of looking at Cleveland and wondering, you know, what are these lapses about? They blow a huge lead yesterday against Atlanta. Um, they've looked poor at various times. Um, but I also, I've been down this road. You know, I covered the Hawks a lot in 2015 when they won the conference by seven games over Cleveland and, you know, asked to choose, well, who's going to represent the East? You looked at the, not only did you look at that performance, but you also kind of looked at Cleveland and said, oh, well, they're a 19th or 20th ranked defensive team. That's never happened. That, that team, that poor defensively has never gotten to the finals. And then what happens is for six weeks, they put together this incredible defensive run as much as anything else. And they just, just rip through the East and, and it was one of those you should have seen it coming. That for whatever reason, when it comes to this particular team, whatever predictive tools you think you have in your kit to say, oh, well, they're just not a world-class defense, they can't compete, um, when push comes to shove, they're able to summon whatever it is that you summon to play world-class defense. And I just don't, you know, I, I mean, look, Boston hasn't played great. I mean, that, that, that's that's the secret. We've all, and they've overachieved this year. I think it's, you look at that roster and it's incredible but at the end of the day, like they're not exactly playing a winning brand of basketball right now, and so I just don't think there's anybody there. And then you go to the West, and look, San Antonio is always interesting, and um, they they are sort of I call them professional problem solvers, right? You, you present them with a matchup issue, and they'll figure it out. Um, and they're obviously really good. I I don't know that it that the Warriors are, are a team that anybody can compete with right now. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they integrate Durant back in because they frankly played their best basketball. Um, while he's been sidelined, I don't think that means they are better without Kevin Durant. Um, but I, you know, I do think there is still a in high state games that they're going to be uh, entering in the next several weeks. I think there still is some adjustment. I mean, Steph Curry attacking has been the primary mode of that team that has gotten them very, very far. And you know, Durant commands the balls and possessions, and rhythmically it changes things. And I think they will figure it out. It's in- incredible base of talent, but I do think there's still probably some work to be done. And look, fortunately for them, they're going to get a 500 team to warm up against um, in Portland. Uh, The Blazers are one of my kind of favorite uh, league pass teams, but, you know, I I think for the Warriors, it's it's a series they can win and, you know, and they'll move on from there and they'll figure it out. But right now I'd be very surprised. The one exception, of course, being injuries, injuries, injuries. I mean, anytime, a guy, you saw how vulnerable it left the, the Warriors last season. Um, and all of a sudden they were in dogfights where they shouldn't have been because Curry slipped on a wet spot on the floor in Houston. And so whether it's Cleveland, whether it's Golden State, that is a big asterisk. I mean, I think we'd all agree that, you know, if Kyrie or LeBron, you know, were for a reason to suffer an injury, like that changes the entire equation. If your boss was only going to send you to one first-round series to cover, Kevin, which one would you want? I'm a dork. So, like, <laughs> Toronto-Milwaukee is interesting to me because I'm really excited. I mean, I know Giannis, I think, got to the playoffs a couple seasons ago when they got, like, kind of sneaked in as the eight or something. and But he wasn't there yet. And I, I think there's something so – look, I'm not a big first-round – I mean, if it were up to me, there wouldn't even be a first-round. Um, but, hey – this is what we do, and this is how it works, and I get it. Um, so for me, you know, the first round's about other things. I don't think there's much suspense out there. I suppose there's some evenly matched four or five series, but who cares? 
Um, but to me, it's like the watching young players have their coming out parties on the big playoff stage are cool. Like I remember the, you know, the Thunder Lakers series in 2010. It was a two versus a seven. The Thunder were this upstart team. I think they, we didn't expect them to be in the playoffs that year. They kind of arrived a year early, and they gave the Lakers a really good show. Like it was like six games. And we were, and it was our first real national introduction to these guys and what they might look like when they started playing really meaningful games. And, and so for me, I kind of enjoy um, Milwaukee. Now, from a food standpoint, I like Portland, uh, Golden State, because then I get off-night dinners in Portland and in San Francisco. Those are good two food towns. So, you know, you got to consider all the issues here, not just coverage, but, you know, the cities, the airports. You know this as, as a traveler as well as anyone. So, you know, i got to say my food series is that 1-8 in the West. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I'm trying to think for further intrigue, for sheer competitiveness, I think Utah Clippers would be an interest, is going to be an interesting series because um, contrast in styles, uh, both teams are flawed, uh, both teams have some real assets. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a good coaching battle. Uh, Hayward, it's, it's kind of part of that coming out party portfolio, I think. I mean, he hasn't really done it. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm curious to see what he has. Uh, and then, you know, just the Clippers, I think there's a lot at stake because, you know, the whispers here are that, well, you know, I mean, is this it? You know, is this, do they break up one of the most continuous cores? I mean, those three guys have been together six seasons. With Redick, it's, you know, four. I can't think of any teams other than possibly Memphis that have that sort of continuity. And I, I think there are high expectations in Los Angeles. You know, the Clippers are going to supposed to get much farther than a conference semi-series. And so they have – it feels m more important than a first-round series, I think, to the Clippers. And for Utah, you know, Hayward's a free agent, and, and it's not a place – you know, I, I think Utah enters any free agency sweepstakes as an underdog, though they will have, obviously, a financial advantage of what they can offer Hayward. But I think, you know, I think it's really important to that franchise that they win this series. Um, and they can communicate like you can build a real career here. You can be playing basketball in mid-May if you you know if you may retain your membership as a on the Utah Jazz roster. So I think there's a lot at stake in that series. It feels like offbeat and excellent. What a visit, Kevin. Thank you very much. I hope that you uh, get your choice. I'm sure you'll get to bounce around and maybe take a bit of flavor from all those series you just mentioned. I hope they don't put you on just one. No, we'll see. It uh, it'll be fun. <laughs> You can follow Kevin Arnovitz on Twitter, of course, and, of course, at ESPN.com. Kevin, I hope we can do this again here in the coming weeks. As you mentioned, we've got nine ahead of us. So at some point, we'd love to have you back. And thank you, sir. No, thank you. Take care. Staying informed before and after a storm is critical. Hello, I'm Dave Mason, Entergy lineman and safety specialist. Sign up for text alerts by downloading the free Entergy app. If the power goes out, we'll keep you informed with outage maps and alerts. You can also visit EntergyStormCenter.com where you can learn how we are preparing for the storm and how you can prepare. That's EntergyStormCenter.com. The future is bright for our New Orleans Pelicans with the addition of all-star DeMarcus Cousins, along with Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday. The time is now to become a Pelican season ticket holder. For a limited time, receive a food and beverage gift card worth up to $600. So don't miss out on any of the action. 
Call 504-525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com today and win the night. Follow us on Twitter at Black Blue Report. We'll do our best to make a good Monday in Los Angeles. You do the same uh, in New Orleans or wherever you've uh, taken in our podcast today. No Appointment Radio is yours again tomorrow as Daniel Salerson will be hosting the Black and Blue Report from Airline Drive. And, of course, uh, we'll uh, have our usual Tuesday visit with Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com. That's a game day for the Pelicans tomorrow as they take on the Los Angeles Lakers late tomorrow night in the Central Time Zone. Nine off from the Staples Center. Thanks again to our two great guests today. Good conversations with Keith Evans of the NFL Network and Kevin Arnovitz from ESPN.com. We hope that you have a great rest of your Monday, and we'll see you next time right here on the Black and Blue Report. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report, presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at noon central or at your convenience exclusively online at pelicans.com and neworleansaints.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report.